0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications. Data networks built for business.
1: Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 197. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Bill Bennett. Welcome back, Bill. It's been a few weeks. Good to have you here. Yeah, it's always good fun. <laughs> now, uh, a lot's been happening in various areas over the last uh, over the last few weeks really uh, we've uh, last week we had the big announcements from Apple uh, Microsoft had a teched conference here in New Zealand. bunch of new gadgets have arrived so yeah, let let 's jump in now first up um. An announcement that came through today. Now, probably not very mind mind breaking, or you know, not that exciting for people. But but it is a, a, a small uh, technology improvement that uh, that will will help us in the future, right? This uh, this that we're talking about is a new uh, version of the DisplayPort standard, and DisplayPort is a technology that joins a lot of laptops and PCs uh, through to external monitors and uh, and devices. Uh, so what we've got is this new announcement to DisplayPort uh, 1.3, and it allows the connection of new 5K monitors. Of course, it's only recently that 4K monitors have been uh, become available, uh, but 5K are starting to come onto the market uh, now as the next sort of resolution up. Uh, but at the moment, if you want to connect a 5K monitor, you've actually got to put it's as though you're connecting two monitors to your computer, and you've got to run two separate cables to it. So this new standard will allow you to do that with a uh, with a single cable. And uh, Bill, you were we were just chatting before. You were talking about the amount of uh, bandwidth um, that DisplayPort, this new version of DisplayPort, can uh, can deliver between your yeah. uh, your computer and uh, yeah your monitor, for instance. Thirty two point six gigabits per second. I think that's the number, which um it's a it's a huge amount of data, isn't it? When, when you when you think of it, yeah, and it puts the whole gigabit um, fiber into perspective as well. I think. Well, I guess it's over a short distance, but yeah, it's some, um, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, into some of the new uh, gadgets. We've got here a um, a device that I that I guess when, when I when I thought about it, I was thinking about a uh, a laptop that um, w- might utilise the uh, the cloud to get access to uh, applications and services, and I was kind of curious what uh, what was out there at a lower. Price point, and this was something I came across in the US. This is an Acer laptop with a uh, 15.6 inch screen. It's got uh, USB 3. It's got an, a nice little um, uh, gesture controlled uh, touchpad and uh, an Intel Celeron processor. So, not a lot of processing power, but it does have 500 gigs worth of local storage, should you need it. No CD drive.
0: It's like a Chromebook, only it's not a Chromebook.
1: No, this one <laughs> is the uh, Acer E15, and it was for sale on uh, Microsoft's site uh, for 199 US dollars Which is less than the price of Windows not so very long ago. Well, I guess you yeah. probably walked into a retail store and tried to buy a boxed yeah. copy of Windows. Now, um, part of what keeps the price down is this runs a, a, a Celeron processor. Now, the Celeron's been around in varying forms... Um, on and off over the years. This is the new, the new uh, f- one of the new forms of Celeron, uh, in that it's based off uh, Intel's Atom chip. So it's a 2.1 gigahertz, and it can actually uh, go a, you know, a bit faster than that. I think it goes up to um, yeah 2.4 uh, at at the most. Uh, but what sort of stunned me about this was for one hundred and ninety nine dollars, you know, you you are buying yeah you know, pretty much a full blown computer without as much power as you would need for CAD and high end graphics and so on. Um, but you can do video playback on it, and you can do all the web browsing well, and and the basic sort of stuff that a, uh, right. a non gamer uh, might like
0: to do. It's a throwaway price, pretty much. And the thing is, is you wouldn't get much tablet or smartphone for that price, so. You know, given just how much is
1: physically in there in terms of componentry and so on, it's not bad, is it? It's not bad at all. It's interesting. When you look at a higher-end computer and you look at, you know, what are the differences? Most of the differences are around the build quality. So, yes, there are differences in the chip, definitely. You would tend to have a an i3, an i5, or an i7 in a higher-end system, yeah, certainly. Uh, but the, your build quality and your warranty, that's sort of where you're putting your money into, and, and a higher-end uh, version of Windows, because this is a... Yeah, you know, a very, you know, a very low-cost uh, Windows. This comes with Windows with Bing. And the difference compared to the normal Windows is the manufacturer isn't allowed to change the default search engine from Bing, but the end user can, so you can just change that to uh, uh, to, to Google. It's a bit heavier
0: than, you know, a more expensive um, laptop, but not much in it. I mean, it probably works out about $100 a kilo. <laughs> and... Um, um, it's not. It's actually not bad. I mean, the keyboard's you know, it's not the greatest keyboard, but it's a proper keyboard. Yeah, it's a proper keyboard. Re- not, reasonable battery life. It's not backlit. It's um. It doesn't have a touch screen, but you know, two hundred bucks. What do you expect? And like I said,
1: you wouldn't get a lot of phone for two hundred dollars. No, that's true. And when when I thought about it, um, you know, I, mean, I mentioned we're beginning a cloud device, and the reason why I say that is if you're buying something this cheap, I'd be very cautious about. Putting any sort of, you know, reliance on your data sitting yeah. on it, uh, I guess you could go through and put a backup system and so on in place. But uh, especially with one that's been sourced at this low cost, under three hundred New Zealand dollars, including you know shipping etc. Uh, of course, it's not going to be a New Zealand warranty and 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 so on. Uh, Hey, you don't know what's going to happen with that hard drive, but if you're using it to link up to cloud services and everything's in the cloud, yeah, uh, you, know, you could certainly use you know your free Office Online here for for a for a home user and uh, you know, all the other cl- cloud cloud services, and uh, you've got a pretty reasonable uh, reasonable sort of machine there.
0: It's a great machine
1: to as buy you say, a kid Bill, for the for the for the, for the price of a, yeah. a, a budget smartphone. Yeah, but a school student or whatever, it's a great product. Hmm. Um, so yeah, just an interesting, uh, an interesting experiment. Uh, not something that's going to be the sort of thing you would you would rely on in, in business. And of course, it doesn't have the uh, professional version of, of Windows with it. But uh, um, there are some scenarios in which a, a low cost sort of device uh, might be relevant. And I think it's just interesting from that perspective when you're going and buying a business class machine that often yeah you know, could be yeah you know, up to two 000, three thousand dollars quite easily. Um, to think actually a lot of the key innards aren't too much different to uh, to one of these low-cost uh, devices. So I guess it points to the future that we will continue to see the price of hardware uh, come down. And these Atom processors that, uh, you know, this is the Celeron processor, but it's based on the, the Atom technology from Intel, uh, are now getting to the sort of performance where they're OK for typical yeah. everyday computing, oh, for running office and um, and browsing and so on, it's it's plenty for for a light user. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. Now, talking of that, we've got another device there that's based on the Atom uh, processor, and this is um, Lenovo's ThinkPad uh, Tablet Ten. And this is actually quite interesting. It's got a really nice high definition screen. It's higher than full HD. It's twelve. It's uh, twelve eighty. Uh, by 1920 it's uh, very thin and 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 light and what we didn't have when we first had our hands on it a couple of weeks back uh, is it's got some really useful accessories so when I first got it it was like well this looks really nice but practically, some uh, some limitations to a to a tablet that doesn't have a good keyboard uh, capability, good dock, and so on. We weren't sure what was what would be available in New Zealand, so we went back to Lenovo and said, "What accessories are available?" Now we've got here, um, Bill. You, we were just looking at this sort of red, um, yeah. you know, magnetic cover. That's, uh, it's, that's that's on it. It's very similar to the um, the old Apple iPad covers that you've got, the, those sort
0: of folding ones, except that it's got this fold-down corner thing going for it, which is... Actually, we've got this installed on. We've got this back to front at the moment. If you fold down the corner, it takes a photograph. It opens the, um, the camera and... When you do the folding thing, it automatically will take a photo for you
1: wow. Well, it automatically opens the app yeah, then yeah, you can yeah. uh, you can pick it and take a photo yeah. it's a nice idea isn 't yeah, it just yeah. you you fold that corner away to reveal the little uh, the little uh, camera that 's on the on the back and uh, where you go i, I actually um, i mean it 's a nicely built thing um, lenovo we
0: don 't hear so much of them in the market, but my God they make some nice stuff
1: they do make some good products that's uh, that 's for sure um a really nice uh, keyboard dock and this is different from some of the, the other ones in that it's got a proper uh, sort of docking connector to, uh, to, to link it in um, and it's quite firm so you can use it on your on your lap if you like that laptop uh, style and we've also got there a sort of a full blown uh, dock so docking station so if you wanted this to be your PC you can have a docking station on your desk with a network cable running into it a monitor some you know USB etc. Uh, and hey this, you know this this will give you that sort of full capability and then a device that you can take out and uh, um, use in the field and something that I haven't uh, that hasn't been the norm but I think is about to become the norm for this type of tablet uh, is there's a rugged case for it which will protect it from dust and yeah. water and dropping. Apparently, uh, and we haven't seen the New Zealand pricing yet, but apparently this is uh, around sixty US dollars in the US market. And if anyone's looked at, we, we I know we talked about the uh, Panasonic uh, tough books and tough pads, uh, yeah. you know, some months ago when they were releasing them, and those you know amazing products in terms of their waterproofness and dustproofness and and ro- overall robustness. Um, but this gives you an in between point, and you can take your uh, yeah, fairly standard price tablet. Put it in this uh, case, and you've got something that can uh, that can much better handle the outdoors, but without spending two or three times the the price of a uh, of a standard tablet. It's good for people like tradesmen, truck drivers, and so on.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's quite nice. We were, we we couldn't quite figure out how to get the um, tablet into it, so we think it might be that it comes pre-installed.
1: Well, but it does look online as though you can buy it separately yeah. um, I, w- I, I have heard some thoughts that um, another vendor is is offering something similar and uh, w- yeah one of the, one of the rumors I heard about that is you would buy the uh, you would buy the tablet already in the case, but this appears to be available uh, separately but in our uh, juggling around we couldn 't quite figure out how to get it, uh, how to get it in there uh, it 's got a little handle on it, which is quite normal with um, uh, the toughpad, uh, you know, style uh, devices, and uh, it's yeah, not, it's not look, that heavy either. Looks pretty good. No, the case isn't uh, isn't super heavy, and I think it's got uh, Gorilla Glass on it as well to uh, to protect the uh, the device. Um, or was that the device that had the Gorilla Glass? And that's a oh,
0: the uh, device has got the Gorilla Glass. That's a plastic, plastic
1: one, isn't glass, it? Yeah, 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 actually, good, good, uh, good point there. So, uh, and then the last. Uh, new device we wanted to chat about is a um, a, a camera and microphone combo from uh, Logitech. Now, I'd heard about this one uh, going going back a, a, a few weeks ago now, uh, and was sort of lining up to get my hands on it once it got in the country, and have just been playing for this with this for a couple of weeks. This is from Logitech, and this is a device to make uh, video conferencing uh, I guess much better without having to have a five thousand dollar plus uh, video conferencing system so this is a thirteen hundred dollar uh, device so it's a step up from your usual uh, webcam that you might be used to having at your at your desk. Uh, but it really allows you to take a meeting room and deliver a really professional video conferencing type of experience, uh, Which of as course, I say, without the $5,000 uh, yeah, video conferencing system.
0: It's ideal for things like um, Link or um, Skype. Um, yep, Google Hangouts and yeah, so, so on. on. Yep, and, um, um, of course, with Fiber going in, there's going to be a lot more of that and a lot more demand for that. Um, and you'll probably have to sort of race down to somewhere to buy one of these before the customer gets on the line to talk to your board one day.
1: Yeah, well, and and the, what I hear from uh, Logitech is these things are, are selling through, you know, pretty pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I wanted to have a good play with this over over a longer period, and uh, their comment was, uh, "Look, Paul, we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll need that back, uh, you know." pretty sharply because uh yeah you know, there's a bunch of people who are trying to get their hands on these to to have a look and I can see why there were some nice features yeah bill you were just pointing at the uh, the NFC logo on there
0: yeah yeah you can you can stick your phone on that and uh, what does it do
1: it fires up the phone so, yeah, you touch your uh, phone and it, and it can be uh, probably just about any phone that uh, any smartphone that has uh, NFC capability. so I imagine this is going to work uh, also with the new iphone uh, iPhone six and yep. six plus uh, It certainly works with the Android devices and the Windows phone uh, devices like the Nokia. You tap it on, and your phone will automatically pair uh to the speaker so from from that point of view if you just want to do an audio conference yeah. uh you walk into the meeting room with your uh your smartphone and you can initiate the uh the call but then it's going to use the um yeah the the top-notch sort of uh microphones that are built into this uh this base unit no i don't think it's going to draw on the video camera um but from that audio perspective you know you've got that dual uh, yeah. dual use uh and then the the other point, and the reason why it's thirteen hundred dollars, uh, isn't just all about the microphone and the speaker. It's that you've got a really top end uh, video camera, ten times optical zoom, uh, zoom, uh, tilt and swivel and science. So so you can point it around the room. Really, really, uh, yeah, top. Top quality, and in those regards, I mean, there hasn't been a device that sort of fills this niche in the market between the uh, you know, your typical yeah you know, few hundred dollar um, yeah you know, setups to plug into your laptop over USB, and then those high end devices that tend to uh, tend to have the full uh, video conferencing capability uh, built built into them. Logitech is um,
0: is is really moving fast into this space as well. There's a lot of products there that um, the that- that go into exactly this sort of UC kind of um,
1: yeah, the Unified Communications. What surprises me is that Microsoft aren't playing so heavily in this space because Link and Skype are their products. Yeah. You would think that Microsoft, because they've got some skin in this in this particular game and the success of those products, that they would be making the best accessories for using with them. Because they've made webcams, they've they've made these types of devices for years and years but they're absolutely being outgunned by Logitech here with a with, with a couple of good products. There's this one, uh, the next one down, which is the uh, I think the BCC 950, yeah. uh, which is a webcam on a stick with a nice base unit and speaker microphone. So if $1,300 is a bit much for you. You're only going to use it once or twice a year. That that next one down is uh, is is you know is pretty reasonable. Yeah, well, Microsoft's not a devices and software company now, is it, of course? A <laughs> <laughs> devices and services company, no. 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 You'd, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you'd, you'd think they'd be playing in this, wouldn't you? But, yeah, uh, yeah. but anyway, there, now, there were um, a couple of shortcomings for me. Um one was the length of the length of the cables, they could be longer, I think they're, um, they're probably 15 feet and you have to physically join, you've got a base unit that has to link up uh, back to the microphone unit, microphone speaker unit and also to the camera so uh, you know, in a lot of cases if you're building up a boardroom or a meeting room you'd want to get this professionally sort of installed and you may run into an issue there distance so that's something to check. Uh, Logitech apparently are investigating making longer cables available but nothing's hit the market. I've seen some things online to say that you can get away uh, potentially with a third party cable between the base unit and the microphone speaker but definitely not with the camera which is you know delivering that full high definition uh, video but that won't be something that's supported by Logitech at, at this stage um, and the other very minor gripe is that the connector the USB connector has a mini USB on uh, on the end to the base unit rather than a micro USB which is just an annoyance cuz people don't have those spare cables lying around as much cuz it's a, it's an old standard that uh, shouldn't be in any product launched in this in the current year it was you know it was common 3 years ago yeah. Uh, and and I think it was just an oversight on their part, but a, a, a little bit disappointing. If you lose your cable, it's a little bit harder to uh, to find a spare. Oh, there's bound to be a spare one somewhere, Paul. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, around this office, <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. There, there, there usually are one or two. But uh, yeah, it's always it's always much easier to find a micro USB cable because yeah. just about everything else uh, that you purchase today. <laughs> Works with one of them, <laughs> um, but yeah. So there's not too much you can complain about. Um, the thirteen hundred dollar price point, you know, it means you've got to be you've got to be doing a few of the a uh, few sort of Skype or Link or yeah, video uh, meetings to make it worth worth your while, or it's got to be an important meeting if you're going to spend that sort of uh, that sort of money. But I think you say, Bill, you're talking about uh, fibre yeah, and yeah. and ultra fast broadband becoming uh, more and more. Available, especially within business environments, these this is going to be a fairly natural yeah. purchase, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, it's going to be essential. Um, if you're going to spend money getting a really good fiber install, you know, $1,300 for one of these is not going to be a lot more. And um, you'll probably save $1,300 on phone calls anyway. So, you
1: know, it's good. Well, it's easy to spend a lot of money on some of these uh, audio conferencing systems, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah. Now, uh, Microsoft uh, just just announced uh, earlier today, uh, after it being uh, already yeah, reported in, in advance by uh, by by varying uh, media, that uh, they have acquired uh, Mojang, who are the uh, the makers of Minecraft. Now, it's, yeah, this is two billion US dollars. It's two and a half a, billion. You're right, $2.5
0: Which, of course, is peanuts to Microsoft, but it's a lot of money for a games company. It's a hell of a lot of money for a games company, but this is probably one of the top games in the world at the moment, I would imagine. It's a cult thing with a lot of people. Probably a lot of people listening here are cult Minecrafters. Certainly a lot of kids are. Um, it's, It's an interesting acquisition because people were beginning to think that perhaps Microsoft was losing interest in games. And, of course... You, know, you don't spend two and a half billion dollars on something that you're losing interest in. The other thing is um, that the, um, I guess the idea is that it will connect Microsoft back with the um, the gaming market, the gaming community, and of course the younger people who may not be buying a lot of Microsoft stuff these days. Um, there's a couple of things in there though that and I wouldn't say they're worrying, but they're things we need to think about. One is is that the founders bailed out
1: as part of the sale, he was pretty keen to get going from uh, yeah. you know, the, from what he had indicated in a, he just, in a tweet yeah. previously, and uh, and he and he did a blog post about uh, about the exit as well. Didn't yeah, he? all three founders I think are out of there now,
0: um, which is interesting. Um, the thing about Minecraft is that it's it's one of those things which is also a community. It's got that kind of community feel. It's got that kind of vaguely cultish thing going on about it. I don't mean I mean that in a good way, not a bad way. And all that nice sort of warm, fuzzy stuff about it might it, – there's a danger that it could go when it's taken over by a big corporation and sort of wheeled into something which gets discussed in board meetings and so on. And there's sort of you know, the internal battles over where people – where resources go and so on. All of that could be an issue. On the other hand, my word, it's a smart move by Microsoft, which was probably starting to lose a bit of relevance with the with the younger um, users, It certainly gets the brand back in front of those guys.
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating one. I I think this is quite a strategic play for them. I'm not sure if you would have added up on paper that it would be very easy to see right now how they're going to get $2.5 billion US back in terms of returns. I don't think it's. Mobile. I don't think it's it's super clear. Not developers, Uh, developers, developers, mobile. That's a lot of money to make. (laughs) On the mobile platforms, yeah. but I think there's a there's a broader view. Microsoft want to make sure that uh, Windows 8 will, which will soon be it'll be it'll be Windows 9, will be their their, their new product uh, soon. Uh, that we're we're getting the, that they're getting the right and the best applications available within in that modern app experience, yeah. and uh, also Windows Windows Phone and getting uh, getting the, those games. And that's you know one of the. Uh, one one of the apps that hasn't uh, hasn't been available, uh, and yeah, I'm sure yeah, you know, um, their just their broader ambitions for uh, for Xbox, which of course hasn't been the uh, hasn't been the the leading uh, you know platform from a market share perspective, means that they've they've got to make some moves like this that give them a little bit more uh, oomph within uh, within the gaming. Uh, Community in in various ways, and I think there are probably one or two other longer term views that they have of it. And sometimes those longer term plays work for them. Sometimes they don't. You know, when they've gone out and spent billions on a uh, advertising company, for instance, they you know they've they've lost a lot of money and had to write down some of these acquisitions quite severely. Um, So there's a level here which I believe is a gamble for them. But you know, I think probably in the in the bigger scheme of it, as you say. This is not a lot of money for a company like Microsoft
0: No, it's not and it's also the other thing you've got to remember is that um, two and a half billion it's it sends a big signal out there that you know other things are available we couldn't perhaps buy something else you know maybe even logitech I don't know but um, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is is that it does send signals out to the market that Microsoft's a player they're in the game you know we're not going to take we're not just going to roll back and become office and windows company we're going we're going to you know, take the market on.
1: Now, what message does it send? Um, so we look at uh, Marcus Pearson, or, or Notch as he's known, uh, uh, the founder and, and uh, you know, the, uh, the really, you know, the, the, the single most Im- important, uh, you know, person behind Minecraft. Uh, you know, he was reasonably hostile towards win- the Windows 8 platform. Yeah um and and Windows Phone wasn't interested in having Minecraft um in in that world now what Microsoft have basically or what you could say is now they've sort of set the point of saying look if you don't if you don't uh, uh like our platforms but your product's good enough um we we will spend a lot of money maybe yeah. to uh, uh, to to bring you on board. Now there's a lot more obviously to, to 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 Minecraft and and it is it's so successful that you probably couldn't compare it with other um, other products. But uh, maybe it does set a point that says Microsoft are willing to pay big bucks to get the best apps onto their platform if you refuse no okay i don't think it's a
0: platform thing i think that the thing about microsoft
1: is they're looking to have cross-platform hits that's why words on the ipad and so on and and, and i agree that this is certainly they're not going to change it being a, a cross platform yeah. Uh, yeah product yeah what they want is they want everyone to have some microsoft
0: stuff in their lives well that's how i see it anyway mm-hmm
1: Alright. Now uh, on to on to other uh, other topics. Uh, there was something something happening last week, uh, Bill. Tech Ed. <laughs> Yeah, Microsoft again. <laughs> um, so yeah, Microsoft keep keeping themselves uh, you know in the in the news locally. And relevant, I think, too. Now this was this was interesting. At TechEd, of course, here in New Zealand, does very well for Microsoft and for keeping them connected with the software development community and the broader uh, technology community in general. Uh, I believe that the tech head they hold in New Zealand has been their, their biggest uh, event, sort of per capita, anywhere in the world. And, and, and there's a,
0: there's, there used to be a lot of tech heads, the number has been dropping. And I think even Australia is now talking about rolling their tech head into other. Microsoft events so that it's not just the one thing in New Zealand we're different for all sorts of reasons but it's it's a big it's the biggest it's not just Microsoft's biggest event in New Zealand it's the biggest technology event in New Zealand by a long way and that means that it's it's kind of got an important place in the New Zealand um, calendar that you know other things just don't have and it gives Microsoft such a presence in the market here that they that they might not enjoy in certain other markets. Um, and there's so much goodwill towards the company, the way that TechEd works. Um, there's also, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you go to Microsoft, sorry, you go to TechEd and you hear about a lot of Microsoft products and services. There's a lot of pitches in amongst the, um, the material and so on. But there's a lot of value in there too. And um, it's... I mean, I wouldn't say it's altruistic. It's not altruistic. It's say it is a it is very much a commercial thing, marketing, and so on for Microsoft. But it's but they they they've planted a sort of flag in the you know a flag in the soil here. They're saying, well, we're here, we're here, we're big, and um, you know we're going to carry on doing this. It's it's very
1: good marketing, and it's uh, it's very much a training event too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's an event where people will go and learn about their technologies and the way that. You know you don 't get anything like this across the rest of the industry if you want to learn about uh, amazon and 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 their cloud services, if you want to learn about google 's offering um, there isn 't something like this where you can go along and and get such a huge amount of information from such a broad variety of uh, uh, speakers and yeah, the the content you know I didn't get to catch nearly as much as I would would have liked, but uh, you know there there was a really good uh, session uh, demoing uh, an internet of uh, some internet of things uh, type topics, um, and and a demonstration of one of these little tiny um, uh, boards from Intel. I think it was maybe the Galileo board. Um, there was uh, James James Whitaker, fascinating, and and you can you can catch a lot of this content actually online post the event. So if you if you're interested, uh, Microsoft have got a lot of this uh, going up on their. Uh, is it called? Um I'm thinking Channel Nine. Have I have I got the right uh, I don't know. name I keep, there, there, Bill? I, um, I look for TechEd and I find Ted. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Microsoft have got the channel nine dot That's the place to go for uh, for the TechEd videos. And so even if you didn't go, a lot of the content's actually available uh, after the fact. Uh, for free, which is is, is kind of nice. Um, so yeah, uh, James Whittaker, uh, who famously left Microsoft for Google, uh, got quite fed up with Google um, in in light of where they went with with Google Plus, and then when he came back to Microsoft, wrote wrote a. Um, uh, an article or a blog post online that that ended up sort of spreading virally about uh, uh, why he was over Google and had, and had come back to Microsoft, um, but but a fascinating uh, communicator, and he was sort of talking on on the future of of software and how it's just too dumb today and how uh, things should be much much smarter. Uh, for instance, if you're uh, If you're inside email and you're reading an email that's, uh, you know, you've got an email that's saying, hey, you should come to this event and look, this band's playing and it's at, you know this location it's on. That instead of you having to go out to the browser to sort of research this and have a listen to the music and mm. you know look it all up, that actually your software should be smart enough to pull all that stuff in and give you you know access to some details about the venue, some details about the band and bits and pieces or whatever the circumstances. If you're a coder and you're working away in your in your uh, your development environment and you're trying to write some code for a particular thing, that it should be smart enough to say, hey, actually, somebody's already written that. It's up (laughs) here. Why don't you why don't you use that yeah. uh, that's that sort of thing which I, yeah I found quite fascinating so in my in my line of work that's called plagiarism <laughs> <laughs> yes well as a journalist bill I think you probably have to be a little bit cautious um, but I could imagine in your case if you're researching a story maybe it could pull up some content from Wikipedia a few links because you'll you'll be you'll have your screen split between uh, well this is certainly what I what I'm doing when I'm researching I'm browsing the web for a whole bunch of stories and content and and yeah i 'm doing that research while i 'm typing in words, so if all of that could actually sort of yeah. intelligently happen and it was going out and doing the research on my behalf i 'd actually be quite interested in the, you know in something that did some of that uh, yeah, some of that lifting for me, I but I think i 'd be out of a job but <laughs> uh, um, no I,
0: I actually I, that 's not how I work. I do my research and then I just clear everything, go for a blank
1: screen and, right right yeah okay all right. Um, well, well, you're the, you're the pro in this, so um, so that's that's fine. Um, in terms of the, also just looking at the broadness, so who was speaking? Um, Michelle Dickinson, um, Nano Girl, Nano Girl. Yeah. Um she broke down a Surface Pro 3 as, as part of the keynote. Unfortunately I I, I missed that. Um, but I heard that was really interesting. Uh, one of my clients, Andy Hamilton, he's a CEO at the Ice House. He was talking on on uh you know success and yeah. as a in business and so on. And uh yeah, he, he had some sort of good real world examples. And that was interesting to me because I wasn't used to tech ed being being quite as broad as it was uh that's definitely happened th- this year it? yeah it's and uh you know it was really practical stuff that he was sharing and he was talking quite openly about you know mistakes that that, that he had made in, in his role there at the ice house and so on so um i found i found that quite uh, you know quite fascinating and 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 revealing too i but, got i also got the impression there was a lot more um there were a lot more sponsors stands around the um, sky city this time there, there was yeah yeah, yeah they They've sort of, um, you know, either got out and, and pushed it a little bit more, or there's just get that broader interest uh, in the community and what Microsoft are doing this year. Well, there's not really. There's not, not really another years. show
0: like it. You see, there's not another way of connecting with business that's actually as um, as broad as that. And mm. I think that's part of it. There's people don't have those um, places to go anymore for shows you know, to connect with their customers. So, um, so I think that's part of it for sure. Um, there was also a. I mean, even when the sessions were on, there was a lot of crowds in what in those uh, around those um, stands and so on. Lots going on.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty busy event. I'm not sure it's it's sold out, and I know in previous years. You know, it was quite common for ticket to sell out, but if it didn't, it was it was pretty close. Yeah, was far off, I know. It was pretty close yeah. to it. There was a um, yeah, you know, there was a good um, you know, a good attendance, and certainly some of those sessions, like Andy's one that I mentioned, was sort of standing room, uh, yeah, you know, only. So there were you know a, a few of them that were really packed. Still, queues and um, coffee. Oh well, oh well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, uh, definitely, I think you know, um, that is something that Microsoft doing well. Uh, is is ticket uh, they changed the venue for their their keynote and their uh, sort of big um, uh, kickoff party, the Tech Fest. Uh, they moved that to Vector Arena this year. Um, that, that was a bit diff- a bit different. Um, I got varying feedback from people on on that. Yeah. Uh, whether that's because people don't like change or whether genuinely it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, as conducive to sort of chit chatting and so on well, at the bigger venue. Vector's a bit soulless, but you know, Sky City's not exactly. Well, they used to have the keynotes at Sky City, and then the uh, the Tech Fest was uh, was up at the Town Hall. Yeah, yeah. What I liked about that was the different rooms that you could go in and out. So you could be in the main room where a band was playing or a comedian was, you know, was was uh, you know filling in sort of in between. But you could also go out to some of the other rooms, uh, and it was a little bit more conducive to sort of networking and, yeah. and catching up with people. Whereas that separation probably wasn't so yeah. well done uh, at. at at vector, Um, but yeah, hey, I think you know different strokes, and um, you know some people may well have uh, enjoyed it and been there more for the music and the and the party, and it may have been a better venue. Um, Right now, one one more uh, one more topic that's uh, that's New Zealand related, and it's sort of been I've been uh, had it on my list to talk about for for weeks and weeks and weeks, Um, but. There's going to be a time when it's too late if I don't discuss it. Yeah. So um, this is the change that's coming up at the end of uh, end of this month, the end of September, uh, to a new way uh, or a new form of domain names for New Zealand. And for a long time, if you wanted a New Zealand domain name, it's got to be a .co.nz or .org.nz, .gov.nz, etc. Um from the thirtieth of september we 'll be able to start registering dot nz domain names
0: yeah um, well it's it 's just odd that we have dot co ready i suppose
1: um, well there are a lot of countries that have that yeah. type of format i mean Australia are dot u aren 't they so yeah. they 've gone for a slightly american style longer yeah. version of it dot
0: um, .co, co is very much the british um i think that i think' that comes
1: it's co dot u k isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah
0: yep um, i don 't know how it works in Europe though, but the um, um, it 's not a bad thing
1: it's uh, what i what i uh, I like about it is that I think there's there's uh, yeah it 's nice to just have shorter domain names yeah. for start well it saves two characters Sa- it saves you the the little three and <laughs> yeah, the dot three, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. so i I like that. Um, I like in some ways that it uh it puts some extra money in the uh the pockets yep. of uh Internet N Z and yep. I'm sure they'll come up with some uh, some good stuff to do for us. Uh all with, with that mm. extra cash. Uh, from yeah, business perspective, it's not that expensive, but it is an extra expense now if you've got a dot coded N Z you really should be getting the .nz uh, to go with it. Now, a few gotchas with that, and uh, you'll find this if you go to the Domain Name Commission website at dnc.org.nz. Look up the domain names uh, that you have, and you will find either that um, you're you're able to register your dot, If you've got a .co.nz, you're able to register as a .nz. Um, or in some cases... It will be in a uh, what they call it, it will be conflicted, and that means, for instance, that there are other people with the same uh, the same name as you, but they might have a .org, uh. and you might have a .co, or there might be a .net, uh, and where multiple people have them, it creates a conflict situation. In that case, they're not just going to dish out the name to you. And they're they're doing it in an unusual way. What they're what they're saying is there's got to be an agreement amongst the those name holders before they will make that domain name uh, available. So it's not going out to an auction or anything like that, which would would put more money in their pockets. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there you've got to get that agreement. So in some cases, for instance, for uh, for for my uh, company, Gorilla Technology, if I go in there, um, I will I get a particular. Uh, message saying it's conflicted, uh, but in that case, it's simply because uh, because. There is a .co.nz and a .net.nz, uh, but both of those are are owned by the uh, are owned by the business. So the conflict is a pretty easy one for uh, uh, for you know, the company to 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 put its uh, yeah to 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 agree to. But if that was a completely different party, then you get into a bit of yeah. a challenge, and you may not be able to get your name. Um, there's a window of time uh, through until early uh, 2015 in which you've got. Uh, to be able to then pick up those names and then uh they things will open up uh yeah more more broadly for uh uh for those existing names if you don't take advantage of um your priority registration which will be the case if if no one else has the uh, has the name okay well you're going to get you're going to get uh, billbennett.nz i think i will i think i will yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I th- I think this is something where you know, businesses will want to look at. it, Probably uh, change over their default email to to a dot nz. I, was, I think it looks a little bit more premium, doesn't it? Yeah, I was thinking exactly that. I was
0: thinking maybe drop the dot co as well. I don't
1: know. Yeah, I think there would be something over time, wouldn't yeah. it? Where as as long as you, I mean, you, I guess you've got an issue with dropping the dot co, especially if you do it too soon, uh, because people could still be emailing that address. Yeah. And people might still be going to that website, but there are some processes you go you can go through to transition across. The other thing about dropping the .co is, would you want somebody else to buy, let's say there's another Bill Bennett somewhere in New Zealand, Bill? There are. <laughs> uh, to buy BillBennett.co.nz and sort of to to own that so there there are some reasons individuals and businesses might well keep both and certainly if they're a business of scale i think they absolutely would naturally in the same way uh some have registered a dot net and and other domains and dot coms and so on as well
0: but i I wonder
1: if there are um search engine implications for that uh there, there will there will be uh my pick is that that they will treat dot nz and dot co nz very similarly, but over time yeah. in the same way a dot com has a, has a little bit more uh, cachet. Uh, generally, Google will probably do the same with a dot nz. Probably have slightly more weight than a dot. Co.nz potentially over over time. I, yeah, that's what I, was I mean. Thinking whether, whether it's a noticeable amount, well, or not, but I, I wonder may the, not be the case. I wonder if
0: the thing between the dots is counted as a word when they're looking at words, for
1: example. So, um, could be. If it's not, then that will have big implications. Yeah, there's a there's a sort of length thing in there yeah. as yeah. as well. So, yeah, but uh, certainly something that I think is is important. Uh, if you're out there and you've you've got a domain name or you know business etc. Uh, i 'm I'm sure you 'll be getting a notification from your domain provider but it 's something that i 've been speaking uh, to the businesses that I work with uh, about giving them a heads up and uh, and working out a sort of a, a plan for how to make best use of it and you know part of it falls under that uh, search engine optimization yep. uh, strategy if you 're going to move across to it. Uh, part of it is, is how you're going to handle it from a, an email perspective. Uh, and so on, and of course, some people have their uh, their real domain names tied into a Windows domain within their network. That can add a bit of complexity. So it, it's not necessarily a, a trivial thing just to, uh, well, to flip the switch, is it? Yeah, no, I was thinking
0: my email goes through um, Google Apps,
1: and I think that's been grandfathered. I don't think you can, um, I don't think you can change that now without paying. Oh, if you're on one of the free free yeah. accounts, whether you can add a new domain yeah. name into your existing account? I don't think you can. So I think that's I'm stuck with that. I think
0: for even for now anyway for for a little while. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, Bill, it would be uh, probably be remiss of us not to talk about Apple, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the announcements that we've had uh, since since the podcast last week were around the new iPhone 6, the 6 Plus, Apple Apple, Watch, the yes, Watch, yes. And, and Apple Play, which, which is, a, you know, I guess, a capability uh, that is specific at this stage uh, to all of those new products. Uh, Apple Pay will work across the Apple Watch as well as across the new iPhone 6 and 6 Plus uh, products. Um, so let's start with the, the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus, I mean, we've all sort of been predicting there's going to be a bigger iPhone for a long time, and then of course all the leaks told us, "Hey, this is the year that it's going to happen." We uh, yeah are definitely going to see a uh, a four point seven inch and a five point five inch iPhone, and uh, indeed they were they were they were accurate with that, and uh, that's what is launching uh, this week in the US and next week uh, in New Zealand. No surprises there. What I was slightly surprised at the price points they came in
0: at but, um, the Apple the um, iPhone six is actually cheaper than the iPhone 5S was last week. So it's coming at thousand dollars nine nine nine. Yes, um, yeah. as opposed to a thousand and forty nine. So, um, so that was encouraging because there was there was a fear that they were going to be a lot more expensive. Um, 6 plus i think is a, is dollars $1, 1149
1: $1, that kind of price yeah my pick is that just relates to interest rate uh, uh sorry um not interest rate currency yeah uh, the currency conversion uh currently with the new zealand dollar uh you know at the point that they they picked it maybe a stronger than than what it was a year ago that's that's true but
0: there was also talk that the phones were going to be more expensive in the us and that didn't happen so Yep, uh,
1: fair point. So we've been saved. We've been saved. <laughs> uh, well, I guess when you look at the five point five inch, that is a step up, yeah. and that is the most expensive yeah, iPhone that uh, yeah that that has. Ever been, uh, ever been announced. And interestingly, in terms of the uh, the storage sizes, so the, the base products have all got 16 gigs worth of storage. And previously with the iPhones, there were 16, 32, 64 gig options. And it jumps from 16 straight to uh, 64. And then there's a there's a 128 uh, gig option. And uh, that's across both phones so um that that certainly uh put some higher prices in there for those those that are that are willing to spend and quite a significant uh yeah step up there price wise i've got a theory about that
0: 128 gb um phone though that's that's the replacement for the old ipod classic which has now been discontinued um i know that was 160 gig but you know 128 it's i think it's for people that have got huge music connections they want to keep with them
1: I th- yeah well that's that's certainly uh, an audience and you know we often um, and you know I'm not within this camp but I've often heard from people that have that have got uh, an older iPod with with lots of storage and you know we previously had of course the iPods with a. Uh, you know a small hard drive within them and uh yeah that was a, a, a sort of a gating factor for them not wanting to get rid of their uh, get rid of their old old ipod right yeah, so, me too i'm one of them oh, okay <laughs> so yeah so so having that larger size uh, bring, brings it all together uh, in one product really doesn't it yeah yeah um there's also
0: talk about the fact that you can no longer use the um iphone one-handed
1: i'm not sure that's a big deal well, that was, I guess, the point before from Apple was saying why they was sticking to the four-inch screen was that you could reach your finger, you know, write it to every point of your screen, holding it in one hand. Uh, I think everyone that uses a bigger phone has got quite uh, quite used to uh, that limitation. Now, just looking at that the price point, so the uh, the iPhone six plus you said starts at one one four nine in New Zealand. It's one two nine nine for the sixty four gig model and one four four nine. Uh, at the top end for the one twenty eight yeah. gig uh, gig gig model, so there there's certainly a you know a price range now up to that top end product, but it's it's not uh, it's not ridiculous at that sort of price point when uh, when you look at that range from a thousand up to uh, fourteen fifty. No. no, and other smartphones come in and over the thousand dollar mark. So yeah, yep, and yeah, you know, I think the, the the same will continue that people uh, are willing to pay. Uh, yeah, if they're committed to the Apple brand, they're willing to pay uh, a price premium in a lot of cases. Now, talking—if uh, we flick across—talk about the Apple Watch. Three hundred and fifty US is, uh, is the starting point when that launches. Uh, launches New Year uh, 500 next, next year, here, I would imagine. And yeah, you can imagine by the time we get GST on top and a currency conversion, it's likely to be up in that sort of direction, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, and then there'll be a range of products all sorts of variations. I mean, this is very much a fashion product as well as a technology product, isn't it? Yeah, it's a departure for Apple to have such a big range of um, something when a a new product comes along. Um,
0: We'll see how that goes. I guess the um, more expensive ones... I mean, it's it's funny because it's quite possible the more expensive ones will be the ones that uh, sell better
1: yeah''m I'm, cu- I'm, I'm curious and also even with the iPhone 6 where the yeah the the bigger one yeah. because it's the higher and more expensive product will have a little bit more uh, um, cachet sort of associated with it in some way people you know when it was the uh, the fi- the f- iPhone 5s versus the 5c, not many people bought the five. Bought the yeah. Bought the five, uh C. Now there, there were other differences there there as well, um, but yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see w- which of the products that really at- attract a lot of attention, whether it's at that base price range or whether uh, yeah, there's there's a real interest in the in the real uh, premium. Yeah, products. I'm not going to second guess that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I would tend to think that the base price point would probably be your, your broader adoption. Um, but hey, yeah, we can't really know. And um, I mean, in, ter- in terms of uh, the the Apple the Apple Watch, uh, any sort of predictions from your perspective, in, in terms of how this is going to fly, how it's going to be. Adopt it because this is very much sort of a, a version one product yeah, is uh, for, for Apple, and often with these products, it can take uh, you know a couple of generations before uh, they really land in a, in a good sweet spot and, and the you know, broad adoption starts yeah. happening. I think I think you're right. Um, smartphones haven't really taken off. I think
0: the um, um, sales internationally have actually been disappointing with the people that have already had them, like very disappointing. In fact, in some cases. And it's very much a niche at the moment. There's all kinds of problems with smartphones. Um, Even with the Apple one, I understand
1: that the battery life is down to about a day. With the smartwatches. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are certainly some challenges to work out, and those will be worked out over time. There there will be, you know, we'll continue to see improvements in, uh, you know, the, the battery capabilities and uh, some of those health monitoring features which are, are often what makes a, a smartwatch uh stand out. So for, for me I think it's the, the
0: battery life has to be longer than a day before I'm gonna put my money in my pocket. Well if then get my money out of my pocket, right?
1: If it's not, we need the sort of uh, you know wireless wireless charging uh, bowls that have been yeah. uh, you know touted by uh, powered by proxy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, where you, you know you can drop all your, your phone and your watch and so on in a bowl overnight and uh, and they just charge. That's a sort of thing that I think will will certainly uh, help uh, because the, the the watches aren't you know they're not that easy to uh, to to charge at the moment. No, they're not. And the other thing is, is that I mean, hopefully, developers are going
0: to start working on these things and coming up with some cool stuff. But to date, most of the apps I've seen,
1: none of them, none of the apps really thrill me. Well, there is there is one that has uh, has just been announced that you may have heard of, uh, OneNote from Microsoft. Yeah. Now uh, has a Google Wear variation. And this to me is sort of uh, fascinating because it is something that uh, is probably is probably uh, uh, it steps into that area of something that a phone a, a watch can do better than a phone that's in your pocket because your watch is probably always close enough to your record. So uh, with the new onenote dictation, uh, you basically say you know, okay okay Google take a note and uh, it you know, links back to your phone and uh, you you can do some dictation, you can record something uh, on the fly I think that would be handy. That would be very handy if
0: that's starting to get to that kind of Star Trek thing you know, where you press the button on the uh, badge
1: and communicate with the computer on board the Starship Enterprise, whatever it, and if you can cost- do it during a phone call as well. Yeah. So if it can sort of, you know, you get that multitasking where you, you're on your phone, uh, but actually your watch can initiate uh, maybe, you know, rec- recording something like that. You need to take a note of a number or something. Uh, yeah. You know, there are a few scenarios I think that would be really useful when you're driving. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that being really powerful. Mm. Yeah. So great to see uh, Great to see some some ongoing uh, competitive pressures anyway in this space. And pleasing to see that Microsoft are sort of playing how they, they've talked about, which is playing across all the platforms and not necessarily, you know, because I'm sure we will see a Microsoft-based uh, wearable at some stage and probably in the not-too-distant future, um, but they're willing to get started anyway on the platforms that are that are available. I think Microsoft, if you've got a device, we want to be on it, is their real new mantra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. Um Apple Pay, that's the final piece of the puzzle. Not available here in in New Zealand yet, but I did see a uh, communication from MasterCard and NZ on the day that uh, uh, Apple Pay and the new iPhone and and Apple Watch were announced sort of highlighting it, which tends to to suggest that uh, it won't just be US forever, but Um, the the timing of how far out it is until we'll be able to uh, tap our phone onto... uh, onto those sort of, uh, yeah, the terminals that are at the supermarkets and, and gas stations and so on. I know Xero um, are looking at it, and I, I would imagine that that means vendor looking at it as well. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. So um,
0: it's, the thing is, potentially, it's probably the most disruptive thing that was announced the other day, more so than the watch, because um, if Apple can own payments in the way that they own, say, music, well, you know... They're already the world's biggest country sorry company
1: <laughs> we're all going to end up working for them at one point by the looks of it well yeah i'm i'm curious uh, how quickly they'll be able to roll this out internationally a- apple seem to move quicker yeah. than uh than microsoft and google in uh reaching out on a global basis so you know, we look at some of microsoft's initiatives whether it's around uh, Windows Phone or Xbox Music—some of these things that, that you know—they've—they've—they've they've, they've maybe, uh, uh, you know, had a reasonable product in the US and how well they've sort of spread those capabilities globally. They haven't always moved so fast. Google, of course, Google Wallet's been available for a number of years now in the US, um, but maybe it came out just too early. Maybe Apple have timed this at sort a of point now. I think I hear that in the US, ten uh, percent of payment terminals. Are able to take a near field communication type payment, which is which is what you'll be able to do through both the Apple Watch and the new iPhone. I think I think one of Apple's strengths, um, which is something we don't really
0: talk about much with tech, is they're patient. They they're, they're quite prepared to sort of sit back and wait and see what's happening, and then when they press the go button, it's usually because everything's ready. Mm. Whereas Google, on the other hand, tend to press the go button the moment they've got something they can put out
1: in the market it's not necessarily a bad thing it's it's, you know they're two different approaches it's a different different approach isn't it and I guess Google Glass is that way yeah uh, that you know it's still very early days but if it ends up being uh, you know a very viable uh, product category then you can imagine Apple and and Microsoft uh, will probably be playing in that space and I think we've even seen uh, you know that both of them have have submitted uh, you know patent applications or even been approved patents in regards to that type of wearable uh, device, but they're sitting back, whereas Google are, are just putting it all out there to, to oh, yeah. test. And, uh, yeah, that, that creates all sorts of uh, interest for, for Google. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, I guess, we, we will see around Apple Pay, if Apple can really make this a success where Google uh, haven't, then, um, you yeah, know, it, it certainly... Uh, will prove something about their approach on this occasion. Generally speaking, Apple will make that kind of announcement when they're ready to press the
0: logistics button and roll it out internationally. Um,
1: so, why would the watch then? Are they telling us about it now? Uh, and it doesn't and it doesn't launch uh, until next year.
0: Then. Yeah, good question. Well, <laughs> I think that's uh, that's a marker. That's just putting down a marker in the mar- in the um, out there in the marketplace. Don't buy anyone else's watch, guys. We've got one coming. That'll be, be
1: good here soon. Yeah. Yeah, 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 All right. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I think some fun times ahead. We'll be certainly be reporting back on the uh, uh, the iPhone six and the six plus as they uh, as they land in, in New Zealand. Um, not not too far away now. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to getting some hands on and, and and just seeing uh, you know what the phone's like in that larger form factor. Uh, the little protruding. Uh, camera, and we hear of uh, you know as well as the increased screen resolution, extra battery life. Uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm quite look, look, looking forward and seeing now we'll will have you know really all the ecosystems will have uh, you know phones at uh, at a range of a range of sizes. All right. Well, uh, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So um, thank you very much for joining us, Bill. Oh. Welcome. Always, always good fun. Uh, and for those that are listening in, we can uh, we can find you online at billbennett.co.nz, of course. Yeah, for now, uh- <laughs> <laughs>
0: and uh, billbennett.nz on Twitter, which I suppose will become more valuable
1: once the names change right because yeah. uh, that will yeah. line up very closely yeah. to your new BillBennett.NZ domain name that's what I was thinking yeah yeah very very yeah. nice yep. yeah yep uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Paul Spain and uh, and NZ Tech podcast of course is also on Twitter uh, various social networks and at NZTechPodcast.com. Uh so thanks everyone for uh, for listening in and we'll catch you next week on the next episode see ya cheers The
0: New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks
1: built for business.